Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who just five years into my legal career found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. So that I didn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided it was time to redefine success from the inside out. Fast forward a few years and it worked. I had a thriving legal career balanced with a fulfilling life. What I learned is that you can achieve the success you want without sacrificing yourself in the process. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Do you ever feel like you can't delegate work because you've been burned and aren't willing to trust again? Or you feel like you spend more time on the work you delegate than when you just do it yourself. Or you worry the work produced won't be up to your standards. Do you wish you could give away more administrative and other busy work, yet aren't sure how to do that? Or maybe you just don't think you have the time to explain it again and again because the people who could help you will change from time to time. And so you do it even though it's not an effective way to spend your time. Would you like to be more efficient with your time so you can spend more of your time on client work and business development instead of spending what feels like half of your time or more on non-billable tasks that, let's be honest, suck the energy right out of you? If any of this speaks to you, today's episode was written just for you. Because I'm going to talk about something that, from the outset, might sound boring, but is anything but, y'all. We are talking about systems today. Hey there, this is Heather Mulder, host of the Life and Law podcast, and I know I say I'm super excited to be with you here today, because I am, but I gotta tell you, today I'm even more excited. Because today we are talking about something that Although, yes, I know it sounds kind of boring, systems, systemization, processes, whatever it is you want to call it, can be life-changing. And I I truly mean that, can be life-changing for you. This is something I work with my clients on. I work within both my business clients uh, when I work one-on-one with them, and then I also work with them when it comes to the mastermind on. Because it is so empowering to those of you who know you need to delegate more, who know you need to not be doing certain things, who want to do less of the administrative menial tasks, right? Who want to be able to like give stuff away, but for all those reasons I listed earlier, feel like you can't. You can, and this is how to do it. And so I want you to consider like, wow, what kind of time would that free up for me if I could get rid of some of this stuff, right? Okay. So let's just get right into it. Let's get into what is a system, what do I mean by systems, and where could you do, where could you implement them, and how do you get started? Because those are the three things we are covering today. So first up, what do I mean by a system? And you could also call this a process. Some people call it processes. I call them systems, system, systematizing, systemization. I guess I think it's really the best word for this. But really all we're talking about is a documented series of tasks or procedures that outline how to do something. Yes, that simple. 
And let me be clear, you can have systems for yourself that only apply to things that you do over and over again. You can have systems for things that you do partly, but with the help of others. You can have systems for things other people do that you never really touch, but you know need to get done for your business. You can also have systems both professionally and personally. So you know what? Listen to today's episode. Start implementing some systems for yourself within your business and then take them to your life too and see, well, where could I have systems? Because let me tell you, when it comes to raising kids and teaching them how to do things and be efficient with their time, because they're not the most efficient people, my children certainly aren't, systemization can help with that too. Help you, help them, help you teach them better too. So just another way to utilize them. So now that we've kind of gotten the basics of what a system is, let's talk about why create a system or process for anything. What's the point? Well, having a good system improves efficiency, it improves productivity, it streamlines your workload, it saves time, it produces more consistent and better results if done right. Notice I said if done right. <laughs> you cannot just slap something together and call it a day. You need to be thoughtful and intentional about the systems that you put in place. And here's something that a lot of attorneys have trouble with and struggle with. You need to get other people involved. If it's a system, other people will implement or be a part of, okay? Because after all, shouldn't they have a say if they're going to be doing some or most or all of the work? And, and this one is the harder part, they might bring things to light you wouldn't know or think of. They may have strengths or skills you're not aware of. They will have ideas you won't have thought of. They're going to help you put a better system together. Okay? And the other part of if done right is also revisiting systems regularly to update them as you go. Because guess what? When you first put a system together, you're going to be thinking about it as you do it then. The more somebody does something and the more people who become involved in systems, the more of a system will actually change over time. Circumstances change, technology changes that impacts it, new ideas come into play, people change with different strengths and viewpoints, and so on. So having a good system is going to help you not just save time and energy, but also produce better work product. Yes, better work product. You can put systems together for work that you delegate to others. For legal work, a lot of people think of systems when it comes to administrative work, like an intake system, a billing system, which actually are great places to have systems. Yes, you should have those, and they're great places to get started. But you can also have systems for work that you delegate to an associate if you're a partner, to work that you delegate to a paralegal or to somebody else within the firm that is legal in nature. And we will go through some examples today so that you can see what I mean. So when you have this, it enables you to delegate more and to know and to trust that they will be able to produce decent work product because they're following the system. And this is where it's important to involve others and why that I brought that up. People are not going to buy in on a system that you create on your own, but they have to do. 
Now, maybe you create a system initially because you're doing it, but then over time you start to delegate them to the, you know, delegate that work to other people. You're going to want to revisit the system. You're going to want to get their input. You're going to want to teach them the system that you've created, but make it clear, well, this is a system I created that you're going to start with, but I anticipate after doing it once or twice, you're going to change it and let's meet and let's revisit it and let's update it. They will buy in and they will perform better. So all of these things go into doing it right. So where can you get started with the system? Honestly, anywhere. Anywhere where you have repetitive work or tasks or procedures that come into play, okay? So this came up um, once before on a podcast episode where I interviewed Allison Williams. I had her on as a guest, and she happens to share my love for systems as well. And I think she even talked about in there some ideas for where to start systematizing. And she also shared kind of the reasons behind why to systematize. So if you want another take on this and you want some other viewpoints, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to that episode because Allison really does share a lot of wisdom in that episode. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that you can go listen if you haven't. Okay, so ideas for where to get started. I mentioned a couple of these already. Intake, billing, ongoing client management or follow-up, deal flow and litigation flow, like through checklists and tasks, specific ways to do work that you do often. So let me give you some examples. Actually, no, we're going we're gonna to wait. I'm going to give you a couple of examples after I give you the steps for how to create a system. Step number one. First, you got to decide, well, where all could I implement a system? And you're going to need to keep a running list because you can't do them all at once. So tackle one at a time. Your first step, though, is to start listing them. Make a list in all the areas you can think of that you could or would like to implement a system. Okay? Then you got to prioritize that list. What's the most important? Pick one to get started with. My recommendation is to start somewhere that will save you the most energy, mental and or physical, and time. So there is something you are probably spending time on and wasting energy on and probably wasting energy in the sense of you dread doing it, you don't like doing it, you procrastinate it, you don't want to do it, right? (laughs) Maybe it's billing. Maybe it's intake. Those are the places I would suggest you start. A lot of times those are administrative tasks that you are doing that you feel like you should be a part of or you have to or you need to or you just don't know how to get somebody else to take over for you. But you don't need to be doing it really and you don't like doing it. Start there. You want to take away the biggest time and energy sucks of your day, week, month. Make a list. Prioritize, pick one. Step two, you need to identify who all needs to be involved in this system, right? As I said earlier, systems, if done right, include the people who will be implementing them or doing one or more of the tasks that are included within the system. So who all do you need to get involved? Now, there are two ways to do this, and I will recommend one over the other, but you could do it either way. I know people who do these successfully both ways. You could go through all of these steps completely on your own, 
and create what you think is the best system, even though other people are involved. And then go back and meet with them and have them give give their thoughts, revise, etc. Or you could, at the get-go, after you identify who all would be involved, gather everybody together, talk about the system together, and create it together. I prefer the latter. I think it's more efficient. I think it's less likely to cause problems. But you get to choose how you want to do it. I'll just say you need to really think about the who, who is involved, and are they going to be honest with you if you've come up with something they don't like? Are they going to tell you, yeah, I don't think that will work and here's why? Or are they more likely to give you input if you start from the beginning? You got to be careful how you do that, by the way, both ways. But in my experience, it works better if you do it with them from the get-go. All right, so that's step two. Identify who so you can figure out who needs to help you. Step three, break it down. You got to break everything down into pieces. So depending on what you're systematizing, you're going to have two, three, four, 10, 20, it depends, steps or pieces. And it depends on the on what you're you know, putting together, what kind of system you're putting together. But oftentimes there's a linear process to this. So I would start there. And then every time you break it into a piece, see, see if you can break that piece even further. Tip here. If you have a piece of the puzzle or a step and more than one person is involved in it, it probably needs to be broken up into further steps. Okay. If more than one task or one person actually is involved, it probably needs. Do not worry about there being too many steps. It is better to have 25 steps that are very clear than 8 or 10 that are not. Step four, now you get even more specific about each piece of the puzzle, each step along the way. And you want to diagram, chart it, whatever makes sense based on what this is. And for each each step along the way, you need to be specific about who, what, and when. So the who is who takes care of it. And is it an individual person or a role? Whomever would be filling that role. Because understand, a lot of times these systems, it's not just one person who will partake in a particular step at a time. So if you're putting together an intake system and you have different people within accounting who handle the same tasks, you're just going to assign the role, right, that relates to the task that they have to complete so that any one of them would know whoever is helping with that particular intake, you know, for that matter or new client. So that they know what they're doing. So the who doesn't always have to be an individual. But you need to be specific about the who, what the step is, and the when, i.e. the deadline. What date must it be done by? You cannot have open-ended items in a system. There must be a specific deadline. So it could be within 24 hours of receipt, within seven days, Uh, of five days before a filing deadline. It's going to depend on the system you're putting together and what you're talking about, but there needs to be a finite period of time in which that who, that person, is supposed to complete that what, the task. So get very specific. That's step four. 
Step five, identify any tech tools, forms, other resources that you need. So if there is, let's say you're putting together an intake system, if there is a specific form for a specific type of client, you want to identify that and put a link to where to find that. If there is certain technology that needs to be, you know, used, if there, you know, it depends on the system, again, that you're putting together. Identify all the tools, forms, resources, tech, etc., and be very clear in every single step. You got to go to each step and make sure you're putting that there. Use this. Go here. Answer these questions here, whatever it is. So that was step five. Step six, quantify the results you expect for each step or task. What is the deliverable or end result? It is part of the what, but I think sometimes we don't really quantify. How will you know it's been done? Does a document need to be sent somewhere? Does an item need to be logged in a checklist? How would someone know it's been done if they are checking on it? And what standards must be met to consider it done? All of this must be covered for each separate task. So for example, let's say you're putting a billing system together and you're talking about specific invoices, right? Specific invoices for a specific type of client or a specific client. All invoices for X must be sent to this person for review by the fifth business day of each month. That's quantifiable. That sent to is how you know it's moved on to the next step because the person you're sending it to takes over that next step. They have to do the review. All right. Step seven, formally finalize and document your system. Make sure it can be found. There is no point to spend all this time for no one to know where to find it or follow it. So you need to create a document that lists everything you've come up with, right, for this specific system. You also need somebody who's assigned to be the keeper of this system. So that when it needs to be updated, they're the ones to go back and update it. And you want to make sure it's formally, this is why you got so specific before, it has everything in it so that, let's say you do a billing system, right? And you have a billing system and it's very specific about who gets sent what and at what dates. And somebody new in accounting starts and they don't know this system, but all you have to do is give them this document, show them where this is, and they can read through it and see very clearly, oh, here's my role in the system. Here's what I need to do. And here's when. That's why you need it documented. Because sometimes, again, you're not always going to have the same individuals implementing your systems. Step eight, you implement it, right? You start actually using it. You make sure everybody has it, who's a part of it, everybody's signed off, and you get started and you get consistent with it. Think of this as a trial run, by the way. Remember how I said earlier systems are going to change? Yes, they will. And they're most likely to change pretty quickly up front. Because as you start doing and as others start doing and implementing, they're going to find that we missed a step or we forgot something or we could do this better. So you want to have like a trial run. Do it a couple of times and then get back together and talk about what could be changed, what needs to be added, what do we need to do with this? And make sure the keeper of the document of that system updates it fully. Something to note, y'all, because I know most of you listen to this when you're walking 
exercising, driving, doing all sorts of things around the house, at work, whatever, you're probably not taking notes. I have a free resource for you that has all of these steps in it. So I highly recommend you go grab it. It's called the Simplify with Systems Framework. And I will have a link in the show notes so that you can go grab it. Okay, so I promised earlier that at the end we would talk about, okay, where are some areas where we could create systems? Give me some examples, Heather. I've given you a few of the obvious and easy ones, right? Intake is always a really great place to have a system. Billing is another place to have a system. Anywhere where you have administrative or tasks where you might be a small part of it, but there are other people that need to do it and you need to ensure that certain standards are met, that certain forms are always used, right? So those are great places to get started. And then once you get started, those are the easy areas, y'all. I want you to think about where else could I systematize? And this is especially within your legal work. So I'm going to give you two examples of using systems in your actual day-to-day legal work. So back when I practiced, we had a system when new clients came in for new deals. And here's kind of what we did. So we always had a checklist. A lot of times we deal lawyers, we live and die by the checklist. And by the way, you probably already have some systems in place and you just don't realize that's what they are. Now that you know, you can actually make them better (laughs) by following the steps today. Go back and review what you've got and make them even better. And I think you'll see that it's going to allow you to let go more often of having to worry about whether it's going to be done, whether it's going to be done right, whether the work product will be any good, and it will get you better work product as well. So our system, when a new deal came in, was obviously it went, I would send the email off to my paralegal. The associate, if there was an associate I knew immediately would be on the deal. Sometimes I didn't always know who would be I would get to work on that. So sometimes I didn't include the associate. It kind of depended, but it always went to my paralegal and my assistant. And my assistant knew, okay, this is a new matter. We need to open it. And there was a process that we had in place where she would just that day come in, have a set of questions she would ask, I would answer them, and then she would go about her merry way and get it opened. The paralegal had a system. And that system was really more the deal flow system. She would get a checklist started. So she would come also that within 24 hours, ask me a couple of questions that she needed answered so that she could get started on the right type of checklist that needed to get started for that new matter. And then once she was done, it would go to the associate. By that point, we would have that person assigned. And I would always tell her as soon as the person was assigned, here's going to be working on it. That person would have a system for how to check. They, they would know more about the deal. They would have the term sheet. They would check over the checklist, get it updated, make sure she knew everything that needed to be done. Then the next step was for her to go order everything, all the corporate documents that need to be ordered, all the searches that need to be ordered everything. And it it worked like clockwork. I never had to do any of that. I never had to go over it. We had a system for everything. Then my associate would come and ask the questions they needed, basically. They'd go over the checklist. They'd go over the term sheet. They'd come to me. They'd figure out what they needed to know to get started on documentation and drafting the documents. 
and I'm not going to go through the whole system, but it basically took us from start to finish. And it enabled me to really stay out of the weeds and just focus on the big picture issues and the hard drafting that I needed to do. Let me give you another example, and this is a really interesting one. So I have a client who does litigation work, and she also does appellate work. She's starting to do appellate work, really what she wants to be doing. So yay for her. She recently was able to step up and, and get into the appellate team in her, in her firm so that she can do more of that. And she came to me and realized, you know, I haven't done, you know, appellate briefs as, as much. I haven't you know, all these things that are going on. And she realized, like, I'm all over the place. Like, I have all these, you know, there's the facts, and I, I have the legal arguments, and then I have to deal with the opposing counsels, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, well, how could you systematize this to make this easier for yourself? And we spent, like, 20 minutes going through putting a system together for how to put the brief together. It was very simple. And for her, it made most sense, okay, start with the facts. Bullet point all the facts that are important. Then start with the, you know, the arguments. What was, what are the arguments of opposing counsel? What are our, you know, what do we say to that? What are our arguments here? She went through and put together a system for every time she puts a brief together that she needs to think through in this order so that she can gather her thoughts, put bullet points down, and then with all of that information, that gives her enough to get started and also see where her questions are. So it's, it's basically a brainstorming exercise where then she goes and asks questions and then she comes together and utilizes everything she's put together to draft the brief. It has made it easier. It has made her work more efficient. It has made her quicker on getting stuff done. And it's frankly helping her. This is a really interesting thing now that she's starting to implement this system. She is starting to see more connections because she's getting all this stuff down on paper and thinking through it in a very organized manner. And she's able to make better connections between the facts and the arguments, which means she, her brief is better. She's writing better. That's another way to put a system together, even for yourself, for the legal work that you do. And think about it. If you put it together for yourself, okay, here are the things I need to think about when I do this. Here are the things, you know, when I drafted a credit agreement, I had a system a system for how I thought through. I would go through the term sheet. I would log and note certain things that were very important for me to note that were different. I would reach out to the client, ask specific questions that related to the business because there were things I always needed to know in order to draft that credit agreement and make sure it applied to the business at hand because there are always differences, right, in these companies. They weren't all the same. And then I would get to drafting and I would know where to start and what to really focus on by that point. And so it would save me time and energy by doing it in that way. And then I taught that to people because I wasn't always the one forever to draft everything, right? This enabled me not only to be more efficient and productive for myself, but enabled me to teach better, enabled me to manage better, which then meant I got better work product back from people who did work on my behalf. This is how to delegate more legal work. Start figuring out what systems do you actually use without even realizing you use them? And how can you make those better? And then how can you teach that to people as you're handing over more work 
to delegate to others to do on your behalf. Their work product will be better for you. All right. Now you know everything you need to know about the why, the what, and the how of systematizing. And I'm telling you guys, get started now. Identify at least one or two areas where you can start systematizing because, again, this might sound boring at the outset. It will be life-changing for you. I know it was for me. I know it is for my clients. It can be for you too. And remember, to help you out, be sure to grab my Simplify with Systems framework. It has all the steps we went through written down so you do not have to go into your memory banks and can ensure that you're putting together a solid system for your business. That's it for this week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow and or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.